Rock 102, Springfield's Classic Rock. It's 534. And Jimi Hendrix and Rock 102. It's going to be a nice day today. Uh, sunny and a high of 65. Tomorrow, more of the same with a high of 60. It's 33 in downtown Springfield. You know, I'm looking at this forecast for the next 10 days. And uh, sunshine every day. I'm hoping, but the temperature is dropping. So I'm just like a little weary when the Mayflower Marathon starts that it's going to be. Yeah, well. Know, 10 degrees outside. We have faced nearly every calamity. Snow, rain, wind, yes, freezing cold. But do we like facing every calamity? I don't think we do. No, I'm just kind of waiting for the real big ones to happen, like a, like a tsunami or a tidal wave or uh, earthquake. Now you jinxed it. I hope I don't jinx it. I'm hoping it winds up being a, a rousing success, but we faced everything else. Why not? Hey, we got one hell of a show today. Yeah, tell them what we got coming up. Well, we got this and a little bit of that and a little bit of this. Can we get a little bit more of that? Oh, we can. We can. You better strap yourself in because we're going three steps to the right. Well, good, because I'm not comfortable with like a, a, a disproportionate amount of this. Do want a little bit more of that. All right. I'll 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 bring the that, let's, too. Let's try to have it all balance out, Steve. All right. Just about 536 on Rock 102. GG Inc. Feels classic rock. It's 551. And Bob Seeger on Rock 102. Nice couple days next uh, two days. You got uh, high sunny and a high of 60 today. Uh, 61 for tomorrow. It's 37 in downtown Springfield. Hey, uh, what do you say we hop right into some Hollywood uh-huh. trash with Steve uh-huh. and Megan uh-huh. Rock 102? Well, Travis Scott will pay all funeral costs for the eight people killed at the Astroworld Festival. Listen, I'm really sorry I uh, encouraged everybody to move forward towards the stage, uh, but I will pay for your loved one's funeral. I'm sure this will uh, take care of all your pain and suffering, the fact that I've just uh, written a big fat check. And what is What does that mean anyway, pay for the funeral costs? Like, what if I wanted, uh, you know, uh, a parade and, you know, all these th- expensive things? Would Travis cover that, or is he only covering the casket? And the, uh, the the burial. Well, I think uh, Steve, if uh, if, if we if we were in that position, and God help us, I hope we never are. Uh, I would want to stiff this guy with the thickest, fattest bill imaginable. I would want uh, a yeah. mausoleum, an eternal flame. I would want yeah, a horse-drawn I'm... carriage. I would want fireworks. That's what I'm talking. I'd about. want a really big party with very expensive sandwiches. A uh, a pickup truck. Uh, driving you down the street. That's why I think the horse-drawn carriage a, would probably take care of that. A yellow pickup truck. That was my uh, that was my dad's drunken wishes. I mean, uh, final wishes uh, before he died. In a yellow pickup truck. I uh, paraded down the street in the yellow back of a yellow pickup truck. Did the family have access to a yellow pickup N- truck? No, no, and we didn't do it. We, man, did, we didn't do any of it. Dying man's yeah. last wish, and you couldn't fulfill it. You well, heartless, again, heartless he, bastards. He may have been under the influence, and he made that decision. Sure, yeah. but I mean, right. it's a, it's it's all he's asking for. Uh, actually, I believe when they embalmed him, they tapped him first and had and had some <laughs> drinks. They told everybody not not to run any flames yeah. next to him because he may be flammable. Yeah, you can't see those flames. It's uh, it's like uh, alcohol. It's uh, it's that kind of alcohol flame. You I can't bet. see it. Uh, you can make fun of Jeff Bezos's penis rockets all you want, but if you play for his, if you make a play for his girlfriend, he will straight up murder you. 
A video went viral yesterday of Leonardo DiCaprio chatting up Bezos and his girlfriend Lauren Sanchez at some big Hollywood event. Uh, now, if you ask me, Lauren was making some serious goo-goo eyes at Leo. One uh, website reposted the video and, and called uh, Leo Mr. Steal Yo Girl, which is what everybody was thinking watching that. Well, if you think about it, Jeff Bezos is worth several billion dollars. Yeah. You've had access to a billionaire for years. So you're really enjoying it. And if you're not, is there is there anybody better than Leonardo DiCaprio? Because um, he's got a, himself a, a stack of money, not in the billions, but he's comfortable. Bills are getting paid. Yeah. Not really that big of a step down. I mean, if he, if she was started to give like guys like you and me the eyes, uh-huh. then she's given up on life. Jeff responded by uh, posting a picture of himself in the woods, leaning on a sign that says "Danger, steep cliff, fatal drop." And in the caption, he said, "Leo, come over here. I want to show you something." Ooh, snap. you know what? So That's that harsh. sounds like they're in on this together. And it also sounds like there might be some Jeff Bezos, Leo DiCaprio, Lauren Sanchez thing going on that we don't know about. Well, that may be, but... Because people do some strange things uh, behind closed doors, if you know what I'm saying. That's what I hear, Steve. Uh Uh-huh. That's what I hear. Salma Hayek hired an expert to check out her haunted home in London after having uh, lights go on and off and windows and doors open and close. The expert found a total of 20 ghosts... And, mo- and got most of them to leave except for the good spirits, like a nun. Listen, even if a nun is in your house, a dead yeah. nun, yeah, she's a ghost. She doesn't, she doesn't need to be there. Because you can't do anything naughty in the house with a nun hanging over the, all over the place. I got this one room in my house that everyone who comes over, when they walk in there, says... Wow, there's some bad stuff going on in here. Really? It's, it's got some uh, weird juju in it? Yeah, bad juju. Like, everybody who has come over and has walked into this one particular... It's a spare bedroom that I have it set up as. Right. And uh, people are like, well, something happened in here. Like, like you can feel it when you walk in the in, over the threshold. Have you ever done, like, a, like a little research to find out if anybody uh, yeah, died got, or got killed up there? Well, I'm sure, you know, the house was built in 1922, so I'm, it, it's not unlikely that somebody would have died there at some point. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's just kind of weird, and I would like to find out who's living there. Years ago, we looked at a house. This goes back 20-some-odd years or so. We were looking at a house. I think it was in Chicopee. And the realtor uh, says to us, listen, uh, I am obligated to disclose that something very, very bad happened here. Oh. And I'm like, what? He said, I can't tell you specifically. Let's just say it was a bloodbath. He can't tell you specifically, but he can tell you that it was a bloodbath. That sounds kind of like... You really don't know what happened here, and it sounds like an urban legend. No, see, what I was thinking is it just needs the bathroom needs updating. Oh, yeah, that's a bloodbath. That can be a bloodbath. And I saw the bathroom, and I mean, it, yeah. you know, it needed a new vanity, maybe like a like an updated toilet, but the, the shower seemed fine. I, I don't know if but I'd, it was a bloodbath. I don't know if I'd buy a house uh, that knowingly came with. Well, I would explain why the house was only $38,000. Oh, well, there you go. That's a good indication of why it wasn't selling. Oh, yeah, that and the meat hooks on the walls in the in the, uh, in the basement. Well, that that's kind of scary, too. I, w- I would have left, too. 
I would have walked away from it. Had a lot of room for activities. Is uh, Rust just a cursed movie? A crew member who was helping break down the set was bitten by a poisonous brown recluse spider. He's in the hospital, and he might lose his arm. Production was canceled after the fatal accident involving Alec Baldwin. Hey, you can't even take the movie down without getting hurt. No. Seems to me that, you know, maybe, just just maybe the movie might not be worth finishing. Is that, is that well, wrong to say? You know, they said they shut the production down. These guys were just taking things down. These guys were the last ones in the room. No, I know. There's just a... An awful lot going on there. And uh, Demi Lovato has entered the sex toy business with her own vibrator called the Demi Wand. Is it Demi or Demi? I think in her case it's Demi, like a Demi tractor trailer uh, with a wand. She says, we are all deserving of orgasms. It's $79, waterproof, and comes in a charging case. So do I. (laughs) That measures five and a half inches. Well, good for her. Listen, it's uh, you know, listen, it's uh, it's just a rubber, you know, rubber toy. That's all it is. Probably, good. probably good for massaging like headaches and uh, neck pain. Good for you, Demi. You said you were gonna grow up and be an actress and start your own sex toy line, and you did it. <laughs> and that's your Hollywood trash on Rock 102. Oh yeah. Hyundai would like to. And now, Bax's View from the Couch, brought to you by Rocky's Ace Hardware, Outdoor Power Headquarters, Steel, Ego, and Craftsman, Rocky's Outdoor Power Trifecta. Hey, good morning, sports fans. How the heck are you, folks? I don't mean to brag, but in the 35 years that I've been in this godforsaken business, I have never been saddled with a bona fide FCC violation. Oh, sure, there may have been occasional complaints, inquiries, tribunals, terse emails, notarized documentation, and legally ambiguous findings, but they've never slapped me with a fine. And while that's a pretty good record of responsible broadcasting, I realize that sort of thing can change very quickly, and that I can be collecting food out of a dumpster or a landfill by the end of the month. Former Giants quarterback Eli Manning, on the other hand, has been in the broadcast profession for less than a month, and he's already accumulated three FCC violations. According to reports, the FCC has received three official complaints about Eli Manning's on-air behavior during the September 27th Manning cast. During the broadcast, while in discussion about the miserable fan base of the Philadelphia Eagles, Eli discussed the story in which allegedly a nine-year-old Eagles fan gave Eli the finger. Not one finger, he gave him the double-barreled fingers, extending both middle fingers of each hand, giving Eli the offensive double bird. Now, had Eli stopped there in his explanation, this would not have risen to an FCC violation. But following the prompting by his older brother Peyton, Eli then extended both of his middle fingers to the camera saying, I'm sure we can blur this out, right? Well, guess what? When you're on live TV, no, ESPN cannot blur it out. Instead, it goes live. The incident has prompted three complaints, one claiming that his behavior was profane, despicable, and unacceptable. Now, the truth is, on radio, I can give you all kinds of offensive hand gestures. I can give you this one, or this one. I can even give you this one as well. But I cannot do it on a live camera in prime time. Any good broadcaster should know that. In fact, I believe it's the first thing they tell you at the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Don't use your middle fingers for anything, and don't ever say anything that makes you look like a creepy racist pervert. So, in fact... Eli Manning has failed half of those things already, and depending on what the FCC rules, Eli could be facing the consequences of his actions. And that would be the point where you'd want to use your middle fingers, and even then, I wouldn't do it in front of a camera. 
But hey, never mind. Yappin' Sports brought to you by Rocky's Ace Hardware. Rocky's Ace Hardware is your power tool headquarters. I'm counting like 17 different power tool deals. In the Rockies November sales flyer, Craftsman Wet Dry Vac, a DeWalt cordless drill and driver, and 15 more. Craftsman, DeWalt, Milwaukee, Black & Decker for power tools. You need to go to your neighborhood Rockies Ace Hardware. I'm back. That's my view from the couch. Rock 102 Springfield's Classic Rock. It's 612 and Led Zeppelin Rock 102. That's one of my favorites, by the way. That one? That one. Really? Hey, get you going. It's uh, it's 612 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Or, uh, it's going to be a nice day today with a high of uh, sunny and a high of uh, 60, 65. Uh, tomorrow, sunny and a high of 60. It's 33 right now in downtown Springfield. Today's a pretty big day. I'm kind of uh, looking forward to t- You know, normally when I go to see a doctor, I'm not really looking forward to it. Uh-huh. Today is one of those rare occasions when I am absolutely cannot wait to get out of here to go to the doctor because today I actually have an appointment for my knee. Ooh, your knee. Yes. Your bended knee? I don't know what hurts more, the knee or this song. This is Boys to Men. It's on bended knee. Rock 102. W-A-Q-I. Call in with your request at 413-293-1021. This... Is pillow talk. Yeah, right in the screws there, Steve. Right in the screws. I can't do it. I, I, you know what? It's been it's been like 20 years since I did that one. But on that one? Bending, that. Unbended knee? Yeah. I can barely bend this one. Let me tell you something. I'm uh, As those who have been paying attention in the last couple of weeks, uh, I trashed my knee. I don't even know what's going on with it. I know it's trashed it. Trashed it. I had somebody the other day uh, tell me about their knee problems uh-huh. as if it had some relevance to the pain that I was feeling. And I'm like, dude, you don't understand. This is the most injured knee there's ever been. Ooh, baby, the sweet sounds. I'll tell you what. I hate people who try to one-up you on something you're going through. You know, <laughs> like you're going through some, uh, oh, I'm uh, really dealing with something right now. And then they're like, well, yeah, well, I'm dealing with this. It's kind of like that, but worse. Yeah, why do we try to outdo each other when it comes to, like, medical calamities? Oh, you've you've got uh, piles? Oh, I've got a, I got a story about piles you're oh. not going to believe. You've, I once had it so bad. You've got a torn meniscus? Well, I had my torn ACL. I got uh, I got a torn meniscus, a PCL, a ESP, a TNT. I got the whole thing there. And I had to reconstruct the entire knee. And I'm thinking, standing there going, you don't know anything about my knee or the pain I'm feeling. But right now, this is the worst pain I've had in mm-hmm. a very long period of time. Oh, so, I can only imagine. Oh, it's uh, well, you see me. I'm walking around here like I'm a 100-year-old man, hobbling, barely getting by. I'm in everybody's way. And uh, I go today to the orthopedic specialist, to which they will say, hmm, I don't know what's going on there. Might, uh, might I suggest taking some aspirin? That's kind of what I'm expecting. Aspirin. Um, Something has got to give, though. Something has got to change. Yeah, your knee is going to give on you, and then you're going to fall down, and then uh, I'm going to have to carry you. Right. No, I listen, Uh I I don't want you to do that, because I think uh, just uh, I don't really want to do piggyback rides with you, if it's okay by you. You could. Even the reverse piggyback ride I don't want to do. I'm just throwing it out there. Uh, But uh, bear with me on this one. Mm -hmm. First of all... Uh, it's tough to get around during everyday life. You know, yeah. I mean, I, I normally, it may not look like much, but I'm a very active guy. You know, 
When I go home, Ooh, okay. I'm doing stuff all day long. Define active. Uh, I activate my phone. Uh, I yeah, activate right. the television. Yeah, okay. I may activate something out of the refrigerator. Right. Um, what's going on here is is that there are certain things that I cannot do, and I'll be the first to admit that when I've tried to do too much, mm-hmm. uh, I suffer as a result. So, for example, like this weekend, you know, we we were trying to clean the house, and I I was doing okay, and then all of a sudden, like the knee started to hurt and get like progressively yeah. more sore, and all of a sudden I said, "Look, I gotta I gotta sit down for a minute. I've I've cleaned an entire four foot space of our house. I'm 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 exhausted." So, uh, so there's a couple of things that are going on. One, uh, for my own mental health, I need to be a little bit more physical right and the other part is uh much of the other household obligations are now falling on the uh very capable shoulders of my wife oh yeah like mowing a lawn or cleaning the gutters or uh any number of things that you know i might normally have considered hiring someone else to do well she's a go-getter she can do it yeah, but she's at the point now where she's saying that today is like her Christmas in uh, her early Christmas present would be to get my knee resolved so she doesn't have to climb ladders and you know you know wipe out gunk out of a full gutter. Listen, uh, I'm guessing you're kind of like me is that you can get a job done, but is it even going to be good to begin with? No, no. So I, that's I, what I, I mean. So, I half-ass know, all that stuff. She's got the best of both worlds now. Not only can she do the labor, but she probably does it ten times better than you ever could. See, that would be the argument I yeah. would make if we had had the conversation reach to that level. You know, where I say, but, honey, you're doing such a good job of you know, of you know, cleaning the gutters and mowing the lawn that uh, you, know, you know, who am I to... To just jump ahead, but I know that her reaction to that would yeah. be uh, very negative. <laughs> like, it's not enough that she is so good at it. It's more that uh, it is. Sh- it should be stuff that I should be participating in. And right now, I'm not really doing that. Uh, you know, I I'm the kind of guy that like tries to make a bed, and I, and I'll just like toss the sheet up in the air, going, I don't know how to do this. I don't. <laughs> I don't know what what is this. I don't know. Does well, this go here? Well, it's very complicated, is, isn't it? Is, it? is this a rug for the floor? What is this? We yeah. got uh, we got these uh, fitted sheets that now say have a tag on the side mm. that says side of the bed. Oh yes, yeah, so you so, know. So now you yeah. can't you can't even screw it up right. You know that whoever invented that tag is a genius because uh, they have helped me uh, countless times try to figure out which one is the side and which one's the end because <laughs> you ever like try to make a bed uh you know like I have a king bed. I have a sleep number bed by the way. Uh, right. Yeah, they're kind of expensive, but can you really afford another restless night's sleep I, bag? I can't imagine how you could. Uh but uh, yeah, you, so the thing is like it looks like symmet- symmetrical. It looks like it's one size, but it's not. Right. It's it's longer on the on the body side, you know, the lengthwise. Sure. Versus the head size, but it it's deceiving because it kind of looks like that. I hate that. I hate trying to put on a sheet and then realizing, God darn it, I can't do put this on there. That's nah, all wrong. Yeah, I know. I listen. I I. 
the way our bed is situated, because you know, you got these uh, little nightstands, like uh-huh. you have to kind of reach over, yeah, yeah, yeah to yeah. get yeah. you know the, the the sheet around the mattress yeah. and stuff. Well, I mean, I can't fully do Not that without with, right without hyperextending a joint of some kind. So, you know, I have become uh, worthless in the last month or so, Again. and my wife is now feeling that. Uh, in order to ease my pain, ultimately eases her pain. Uh, again, uh, I'll bring up the Curb Your Enthusiasm episode from a couple of weeks ago where Larry gets injured in front of Lucy Liu, who was his date at the party. Right. And now she thinks he's completely unattractive because he's now injured. See, I've done a number of things over the years <laughs> that probably prove that I'm rather unattractive to my own wife. And yeah. uh, yet she's still for whatever reason, has a soft spot for me. Well, she certainly isn't in it for the money. I'll no, tell she's you that. not in it for the money. Yeah. I think she's in it for the sympathy is what I, I really yeah, think. She just felt so bad for you sitting there. Can you blame her? Really? Yeah, I but, mean, I'm yeah, I, I'm falling apart at the seams. But look where it's gotten her. She's felt so bad for you now that she has to even feel more bad for you that, that you're injured. I don't and know. She's like, I don't want to do I this don't anymore. know if she signed up to be my caregiver. <laughs> While I'm moaning on a couch with a big well, bag of ice on my knee. Technically, she would be the one to take care of you. You wouldn't like name me or something in your, you know, in your health directive. You uh, wouldn't uh, clean me if I soiled myself. No, I would not. I would not do that. <laughs> I would do it for you, pal. No, you wouldn't. You're right. Yeah, but I'm just trying to make you look stupid. Well, I hope the uh, I hope the appointment goes well. Well, I I do hope so because uh, you know I've uh, I mean I know the guy I'm seeing. I, I have met him before, and uh, I'm very excited about it because... He's, he's quite fetching. Oh, he's a handsome fella. Yeah, very, you know who I'm talking oh, about. Oh, I know exactly who you're he's talking about. He's a handsome he's, fella. He's touched my limbs a time or two, too. I bet that's the truth, <laughs> yeah, and I bet when you left, you touched your own about. limb for a while. Yeah, that's right. Anyway, I'm very excited uh, to be uh, going there today because if it requires... Because there's the Mayflower Marathon, and the idea of standing around on a bad knee on... Blacktop for fifty-two hours is not an appealing idea. Mm-hmm. There's the uh, the Bright Nights Ball this weekend. There's the uh, the Bacon and Brews Festival on Sunday. You, yeah. I'm going to be up on my feet a lot in the next two weeks. Are you going to be carrying a crutch to the ball? I I'm hoping I don't have to. Yeah, I, the only crutch I'll be carrying is my wife because she's 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 holding me up in every other possible way. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, well, I thought we went to the same doctor. I went to the orthopedist surgeon, <laughs> not the orthopedic surgeon, which would be did he, did that's he a suge- different kind of bone. Did he suggest any stretching exercises? Oh yeah, he said. <laughs> It's Doctor Doctor Johnson from the Orthopenis Surgery. Yes. Oh, yeah. oh, come into the uh, the waiting room. Take off your pants and jacket. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> I, I think you're going to be fine. I think you're going to be fine. I hope so. You're going to be uh, working out, and uh, they're going to once they do the X-ray, then you can at least find out what's going on. Well, I've that. had the X-ray. The X the X-ray is not going to show what's going what's going on as far as like any soft tissue damage, which I think is what this is. So we'll figure it out and. Hopefully, I'll have a story to tell tomorrow, or I'll have absolutely nothing other than a wife has got to finish cleaning them gutters. I'm going to go back to that orthopenis guy. <laughs> he seemed to do such good work. He did. Good handiwork. Yeah. It's 624 on Rock 102. Thanksgiving. It's 627 with Bax and O'Brien to Rock 102 with Steve Nagel. It's uh, going to be nice today, mostly sunny with a high of 60, uh, 65 actually. Tomorrow, high of 60. It is uh, 32 right now in downtown Springfield. 
Uh, let's see. You know, the, uh, the like you just heard with the Ale- uh, Ryan Alekman, the uh, Mayflower Marathon is coming around the corner, and we're starting to put together like the guest list of people. Uh, yesterday, it looks like uh, I was able to secure uh, Gary Hoey uh, back. He won't be able to play live because <laughs> he's kind of in the middle of a tour. Yeah, but uh, but he'll be joining us on the phone probably on that Tuesday of the Mayflower Marathon. And uh, no time specific yet, but we do have Tom Cotter and uh, and uh, uh, what's the other guy's name? Bob Marley. Bob Marley. That's the you got one. Bob for sure. That's the one. Uh, supposedly he's going to get back to me today <laughs> and make sure he gets a uh... good. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah, we got we got all kinds of stuff coming up for uh, for the broadcast, but more importantly, get your donation together start asking people around your neighborhood around the office and uh please make sure you uh, you hit, join us and uh, and make sure that we get uh, plenty of cash and food for the springfield open pantry all right let's laugh tell me tell me what's fun it's bax and o'brien's joke of the day well it's nice to find a fellow with a keen sense of humor on rock 102 oh my god that is hilarious springfield's classic rock you know something disturbing is I once uh, walked in my on my parents having sex. You did? Yeah, it was the most awkward thirty-eight minutes of my life. You stuck around and watched. Stuck around and watched the whole thing. Go, Dad! What's the go, lady? Booyah! Six thirty-two with Max and O'Brien of Rock One Hundred Two. It's time for news. Here's local radio icon Steve Nagel. Thanks, Max. On Monday at around six forty-five a.m., Holyoke police uh, were alerted about a suspicious person crawling out from under a neighbor's car at a location at the Bodoyne Village Housing Complex. According to Holyoke Police Captain Matthew Moriarty, officers went to the complex and noted the car matching the description of uh, the one involved in crawling out from under their neighbor's motor vehicle with what appeared to be a catalytic converter. The car was described as a gold Acura and was seen uh, on Old Jarvis Avenue turning onto East Hampton Road. The car crashed off to the side of the road, and the three men ran from the area. 29-year-old William Reyes was arrested on site by Holyoke officers. Several state troopers arrived to assist in the pursuit of two other men. Two canine teams were on site, and a track uh, was initiated. One man later <laughs> identified as 26-year-old Wakan Unghol. <laughs> you can imagine what his nickname is. A N G O L, Angle. Oh, it's Angle. Angle. Okay. Yeah. You know, I uh, was talking to a friend of mine who is a mechanic, uh, and he's a very, very handy fella. I am Wakon Holio. I will have teepee for my Angle. Right. Yeah, it was that too. Anyway, this guy's a mechanic, and what he was telling me, uh, you know, I mean, we all know that inside the catalytic converter are very expensive, uh, valuable metals. Rich boy selling it. Just bought a catalytic. Throw some D's on it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and what he said was what makes these things so popular to steal is not only what's inside of it, but how easy it is to remove it. Yeah. It's like a, a, a sawzall with a battery pack yeah. is all you need, and you can probably steal one within less than 20 seconds. So I tested him on this. I have yeah. like fourteen of them in my back uh, in my oh, back yeah. trunk right yeah. now, right. and I'll tell you what, he was right. It's so simple. You know, I uh, I know you're joking, but uh, no, I'm not, Steve. Why would I? Why would I joke about something so serious? You know, I've heard these stories time and time again of like you know people showing up to these these junkyards. Yeah. And no questions asked. Like, where'd you get this from? Like, how many you got of these? You know, like. 
you would think that certain items would be an alert to say, huh, I don't think I should be taking this kind of thing. You know, it almost makes you think that uh, there are some people in the scrap metal industry that might not be on the up and up. Yeah, like I would think that uh, there should be some sort of rules in place where you can't recycle something mm. um, unless you have it. Uh, like, let's say you're a, you're a guy who owns an auto shop, right? You know, and you're certified, and you have a car, and you're like, okay, well, I own an auto shop. Well, this guy's certified; he has an auto shop. He can uh, he can dump these catalytic converters here, and we'll give him the money for it. Like Joe Schmo showing up with. Not just one catalytic converter. You're probably talking about a dozen of them. Yeah. Hey, where'd you get those? Well, I found them on the side of 291. Yeah, they were just uh, they they had a table and they were just giving them away. Yeah, it was it said free. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like a catalytic converter tag yeah. sale. I I, I just just, uh, just grabbed. I bought all these for a dollar. You know, I you know I've heard these and and you know stories of people that I know that are construction guys. And then, uh, you know, one time they were missing, like, uh, they were doing, like, road construction or something. Right. And they had, like, all these manhole covers. You know, the the big, giant, heavy manhole covers that uh, are in the street. Right. And there must have been, like, probably two dozen of these things, and they were turned into a junkyard. And nobody at the junkyard goes, oh, I don't think you own those. It says here, it says, property uh, of Springfield, Massachusetts. Yeah, or whatever town it was, that DPW. I mean, it's, it's just, it seems a little ridiculous that these these scrapyards are allowed to just take things and no, no questions asked. Well, you know, I'm sure there are plenty of uh, scrap uh, yards that uh, operate uh, by the law. But, you know, the thing is, if these scrapyards weren't accepting these things, yeah, these guys would probably move on to stealing other stuff. Well, I'm sure that's the case. And I know I would. You would think that, uh, you know, you're leaving people high and dry with no catalytic converter and a very expensive repair. You're damn right about that. They just showed the mugshots of the uh, Anghol brothers. Anghol. Anghol brother. They look yeah. like a couple of Angholes. They do look like a couple of Angholes. Uh, yeah, the Daniel and Joquan. Whatever it is, yeah. they're, uh, they need to oh. find other ways of making money. You know, a good job would be helpful. And after searching the vehicle, the Holyoke police found a Glock 19 firearm. Oh, yeah, well, see, now there all you kinds go. of other good there stuff. There you go. Uh, By the way, I'm not suggesting that they are, you know, they don't have other jobs. I'm just saying there are better ways of bettering yourself than taking a sawzall and removing a catalytic converter. Uh, the Holyoke Police Department would like to acknowledge the fact that due to the due to the alert citizen and the information they provided, three criminals were apprehended and taken off the streets in Holyoke. We at the department are very grateful for the relationship we have with many of our citizens. This relationship uh, allow our officers and citizens to make Holyoke a better city for everyone. God bless us. For yeah. the season. There you go. A uh, Chicopee police officer is in critical condition after uh, being seen in need of medical attention from a passerby on Monday afternoon. According to the uh, department's uh, Ch chief assistant, Lieutenant Holly Cody, uh, at around 1.18 p.m. in the area of 60 Fuller Road, a passerby noticed that an officer on a road detail was in distress and called for help. The officer was taken to Bay State Medical Center and is in critical condition, and we have no other details on so the, the officer was doing a, a construction Sound, detail? Sounds like he was having some sort of medical issue. Oh, my God. And, uh, and somebody was l luckily there to, uh, to call for help, you know? 
Which, yeah, I don't know, man. I mean, uh, you wonder if they were hit. You wonder if there was some other medical issue. Yeah, I don't know. No I, idea. Well, it'd be nice to have some sort of detail, but no, because that, that, that would violate their medical privacy. Yeah. Well, we hope that the officer recovers from whatever he's suffering from. Yes. he or she is suffering from. Yes. Uh, state police are alerting drivers in western Massachusetts of an upcoming uh, illegal search and seizure. I mean, sobriety checkpoint on Saturday, November 13th. Hey, this is going to be right after the ball. Ooh. You better be watching. Uh, I wonder if they're going to set up on uh, Columbus Avenue, you know, for everybody going home back to Longmeadow from the ball. You know, it's, I, like, I, it's I, like shooting fish in a barrel at that point. Let me just uh, state for the record for any law enforcement that uh, is thinking about uh, going there. Nearly half the uh, upper echelon of the uh, Springfield Police Department will be at the Bright Nights Ball. So you might yeah. want to pick and choose which cars you're pulling over. Well, that's what I mean. I mean, like, they all know where it is. Sure. You can easily find out if you know somebody in law enforcement. You just uh, call up a cop and you say, hey, where's that roadblock tonight? And they're like, oh, yeah, it's uh, over there on Page Boulevard. You know, they've always uh, sat John and I next to, uh, like, John Delaney or some uh, other, uh, you know, police guys. We never, we for whatever reason... We never asked them, hey, are there any roadblocks that we should be aware of tonight? I think we should ask. We should ask. Yeah. That should be the topic of conversation because we're I mean, sitting it's, with other cops. Because it's really, uh, that's to me, if they're saying, well, it's right outside the building, I'm going to say, well, then I'm just going to hold off and drink later. Oh. I, you know, I, don't, I, don't want, I won't get stewed here. Maybe somewhere else. I I'll, once, pick and sh- I'll pick my spots. I once asked Commissioner Barberry where the uh, where the uh, roadblock was, and he said, up your button around the corner. <laughs> Man, that's, those are some harsh words. Yeah, they are. State police ensure the purpose of sobriety checkpoints is to further educate drivers and raise the public's awareness for finding and remover, uh, removing drivers who operate under the influence of alcohol and or drugs. Then why are you giving out tickets for uh, broken taillights, huh? Why is that part of the deal? Oh, you bring up a good point. Well, if you're saying it's specifically for a sobriety checkpoint, and then you pull up to the thing and they're like, oh, your taillight's out. Here's a ticket for that. That's just putting icing on the cake. It is. It's, I, uh, you know, because you're looking for something. I mean, I understand, Steve, that you have a uh, philosophical issue with the uh, with these road stops. Mm-hmm. I understand that. On the other hand, I also understand that if you've been drinking, there's about 15 other ways to go to avoid that stuff. There's always another way. Maybe well, the listen, long way. That's neither here nor there. Well, you're uh, not going to be neither here nor there near the road stop. I would really like to see uh, the statistics on how successful these things actually are. They're, well, it depends on what you're trying to find. If you're trying to scare the living bejesus out of people, then it's successful 100% of the time. Mm, I don't think they actually cut down on drunk driving. No, but if you're looking to uh, inconvenience people, yeah. it is successful 100% of the time. Authorities in Houston have released the names of eight concert goers who died last week at a music festival headlined by rapper Travis Scott. Houston Police Chief Troy Finner said Monday he had met with Scott before the show at the Astro World Festival to express safety concerns but didn't elaborate on any specific worries. About 50,000 people attended the festival. Attendees described the scene of uh, panic in the crowd as the surge of fans pressed forward as Scott took the stage. Over 300 people were treated at a field hospital on site, and at least 13 others were hospitalized. I can't even imagine being in a crowd like that where you're just, you can't do anything because everybody is pushing to either get away from 
the crush. Right. Or they're causing the crush on purpose because they want to get to the stage. It's crazy. To me, the most frightening part about this, we mentioned this uh, yesterday, is that a, a, a large number of people that were hospitalized were hospitalized not because of broken bones or, or uh, you know, sprained limbs, but because of heart attacks. I mean, think about what that must have been like for you to have a to, ha- to have like a like a healthy twenty something year old kid have a heart attack because of the crushing behavior of the fans and of the possible incitement of the artist who was like, oh yeah, let's let's all come down by the stage. It's like, I mean, I can't even imagine how frightening that yeah, must have been. You, I mean, I don't like, you know, enclosed. I mean, I'm, I'm not saying I'm like claustrophobic, but, you know, there are times when, you know, the panic of that kind of situation really mm-hmm. takes over, especially when you don't have the ability to move and the tighter the crush, the less you can breathe. You know, you wonder why these things don't happen more often if this is like a general admission type of yeah. Uh, fiasco. This is uh, this is why I don't like large crowds. This is why I don't go to like major concerts. I thought it was because you couldn't afford the tickets. No, because first of all, you go to a concert. You, let's say you, there is fifty thousand people at, at an event. I can't afford the ticket that's all the way up in the front. Or I mean, even if I could afford it, I'm not gonna buy it. Right. So you're gonna get general admission tickets, and you're gonna be sitting out on a lawn somewhere. And you're gonna be surrounded by a bunch of drunks and a bunch of people uh, smoking weed and. But normally, like, I don't mind that. You don't. I guess you don't mind that. I guess if you're drunk, but I don't. I don't want to. I don't want to deal with that. I don't want to deal with people who uh, have been drinking, especially the. You know, you always see that group of people who have been drinking since like one in the afternoon. Oh yeah. The concerts at seven, and they've been drinking all day long. And uh, that puts you in a different mindset. It puts you in you 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 tend to get to that stage of drunkenness at that point where you're looking to fight anybody. Listen, when you spend the three hundred dollars per ticket or whatever it's mm-hmm. going to be to get down on the to get floor seats to get you know, close to the stage, you go with the idea. I'm doing this to see my favorite musical artist and to have a great time. You're not going there thinking. I wonder how long the hospital stay will be, and whether there'll be enough ambulances f- to take care of everybody. That's that; those are not the things that you go into this thinking. But there are times when the behavior of some winds up becoming the behavior of everybody, because the mob mentality in those kinds of situations is there's a there's a cluster of people. They get too close. Mm-hmm. They start to crush, and then. It moves. It can move to the front. It can move to the back, left or right. And what happens, it's almost like a magnet of of people who will not only crush going one way, there are people who will push back. And yeah. then all of a sudden you've got something that goes from like 10 people to 100 people really, really fast. I mean, I've seen it in other shows and smaller venues, and thankfully nobody got seriously injured. But you can totally see how this happens when there aren't seats to sit in, when people are, you know, allowed to just, you know, move freely and bump into each other, and then if they're drunk or inebriated in any way, then tempers fly, and then these yeah. these mobs become a little bit more violent. That's what happened at uh, Woodstock '99, where there were just there was just too many people crowded together. Same and, thing with and the, uh, the Who. And- same thing with the Who concert in Cincinnati in 1980. I mean, that's a perfectly good example of people who were. Trampled to death, uh-huh. not even in the you know in the show, but just trying to get into the venue to get to their 
general admission seats. It's a horrible situation. What about that Keith Moon concert? Uh, uh, which one? The one that he uh, puked yeah. and vomited on I, himself? I like and- that. Yeah, that was the one. That was the the, the concert for one. Where he had. <laughs> right. you know, that's the kind of that's the kind of venue I like. I was just going to say about uh, I don't know. It was five years ago now. We interviewed Peter Wolf from right. the Jay Giles Band, and then uh, I talked to him on the phone, and uh, he invited me down to to go hang out, you know, and see the show. It was at this it was at this little tiny theater. It was probably only about three hundred seats. It was in. Uh, I think it was Winstead, Connecticut. It was down. It was yeah, yeah. It was it was a much the, smaller venue. It's called the Infinity Theater, not the Xfinity Theater. The, the Infinity. Infinity Theater, and it's a it's a really nice you know uh, layout setup and everything like that. But anyway, uh, we I, I go a buddy of mine and I go to the show, and uh, 300, 300 seats. So it's very intimate, if you will. Sure. As far as shows go. You know, Peter Wolf's sitting there jumping up around on stage like he's 25 again. And Even though he's like, 75? Right, but he's still got it. He's still, uh, you know, he's having a great time. Mm-hmm. But the age of the crowd is, is they're having a good time, but we're sitting there with, like, with our hands folded in our laps. Like, oh, isn't this so nice? This is just a nice show. <laughs> and then you had, like, one person dancing. The, yeah. You know, it, there's always that one person who uh, really gets into it and really wants to have a good time. She's out there dancing in the aisle, but she's the only one. Yeah, because it's it's a maturity level thing. You know, when you're when you're 25, yeah, you want to rock it. You want to bump into people. Mm-hmm. You want to like throw people down to the ground. When you're 55, which was the average age of this group of people. They were just sitting there enjoying the show. Oh, isn't this nice? I used to listen to that centerfold song that he sang when I was young. This is so cute. When I was young, I will admit I was in a few. I went to a few shows in which there was a mosh pit. Yeah. And uh, when I was young, uh, it so and happened. Your heart was an open book. And you know it did. You know it did. You know it did. You know you did. did. No, you did. And uh, there were times when I may have participated in some of the activities within that mosh pit. I uh. will be the first to admit. That uh, youth and stupidity and aggression were all going at the same time, but you're talking about the 1980s. Just went to a concert in Fall River to see Rick Wakeman play. There was no mosh pit. There was nobody bumping into each other because half the crowd there was uh, 70 or older. You would have, you know, here I am uh, with a crutch, a couple people with walkers, two, three, four guys with uh, (laughs) wheelchairs and a colostomy bag. It was the wrong crowd for the kind of mosh pit excitement you might have expected at a hardcore show of 1982. One of my sisters a few years ago went to see Adam Ant and said uh, he was more like Adam Cant because he can't <laughs> lift himself off the chair anymore. His goody orthopedic two shoes. That's what he's wearing. You know, like eventually these people age out. You don't drink, don't, don't smoke, all because my doctor told me not to. That's right. Yeah, this is all, this is all good, great medical advice. I know uh, years ago you were doing it to be cool, but now it's not cool, okay? You're up, Pioneer Valley Forecast today. It is going to be uh, going to be a nice couple days, a high of 65 for today, high of 61 for tomorrow. It is currently 32 right now in downtown Springfield. I'm Steve Nagel, and that's the news on Rock 102. Ah. .com slash credit. 
And now, Bax's View from the Couch, brought to you by Rocky's Ace Hardware, Outdoor Power Headquarters, Steel, Ego, and Craftsman, Rocky's Outdoor Power Trifecta. Hey, good morning, sports fans. How the heck are you? Folks, as you know, it's all too easy to speculate whether a suddenly available star athlete would ever find themselves desperate enough to come to New England to renew their troubled career. Sure, it's happened in the past. There have been scant handful of times and something like that has actually worked out for everybody. Randy Moss, for example. But sometimes it doesn't. And when it doesn't, I often wonder, was it really worth it in the end? Or was that 11-day stay from Antonio Brown not enough of a red flag for you people? Today, we're faced with a similar situation. You have a supremely talented player like Odell Beckham Jr. suddenly available after being waived last week by the Cleveland Browns. And now... You are left with an expansive sea of expectation of where he will go next. Seattle, Green Bay, the Rams, Tampa, even the Patriots have all been mentioned as potential landing spots for Odell Beckham. Here's the problem. Because he was waived, he can be claimed by any team by this afternoon at 4 o'clock. If he is not claimed by 4 o'clock this afternoon, then Odell Beckham will become a free agent. Now, Odell has $7.25 million remaining on his contract with the Cleveland Browns. What do the Patriots have in remaining cap space to sign him? They have 35 bucks. Uh, what will it take to sign him? Probably more than 35 bucks, unless they can clear out a bunch of dead weight and low-hanging fruit, then perhaps they can scrape together a few bucks here and there. The question is, is Odell Beckham worth the trouble? The short answer might be yes. Every team could use another target on the field. The long answer is no. One, He's not going to come cheap. Eventually, he's going to cost you serious cash. Secondly, has anyone ever noticed how joyfully anxious the Browns were to get rid of him? And does anyone recall how excited the Giants were to trade him there? They couldn't wait to get rid of that guy, which leads me to wonder if such wondrous organizations like Cleveland and the Giants can't put up with this guy's crap. Should the Patriots really be getting involved here? I would say the answer would be no. The last thing the Patriots need right now is a poisonous distraction, and especially one that requires clearing out a lot of space on the salary cap. Nope, I say let him become somebody else's problem and not one of ours. But hey, another my yapping sports brought to you by Rocky's Ace Hardware. Think about this. Rocky's been around for 95 years. You think this stupid little radio show is going to last 95 years? I'm not going to last 95 years. You can count on Rockies every single day for little things like screws and shovels and big things like grills and snowblowers. That's why Rockies has been around for so long. Good people, rock-solid service at every Rockies Ace Hardware. I'm back. That's my view from the couch. 33 right now in downtown Springfield. Uh, you know, I've, uh, I've mentioned this before in the last few weeks uh, that, you know, my mother who's 78 years old, is suffering from dementia and uh, Alzheimer's. And, uh, you know, we got a, uh, within the last couple of days, we, we've we started her on hospice now. She's okay. to, to the point where she, like, you know, they told us yesterday that it's going to be 24 hours to a week. You oh, know, wow. to, uh, to, to you know, what's... what's <clears throat> her demise, her imminent demise is, is going to be happening. Mm. Um, but... I, I just wanted to, you know, there's a lot of people that go through this that have to take care of their elderly parents. And you know, we were lucky enough, you know, there's five of us siblings. We're lucky enough that one of my sisters who had extensive nursing experience took care of my mom, lived at her home up until the point about four months ago. I right. couldn't do it anymore. Every because every other sibling 
uh, in your family is not qualified for that kind of thing. Well, I mean, we, we're all in different situations, and it wasn't a, uh, you know, you can do it better than the other one kind of thing. It was who had the best resources. You know, my sister, all her kids are grown. Mm-hmm. You know, she, her husband's retired. So, like, there, there's there's free time. Not free time. I wouldn't say that. There's but more time. There's more time and more attention that could be given to my mom. And, and, she, and, and I believe that, you know, my sister has done a fantastic job. You know, there are things that you don't ever want to have to do to your parent, like clean them and, and things like that. And uh, she 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 did it she she she's done it all along and uh, i mm. think i think she's she's done a a great job unfortunately the criticism from other people uh might not be that way <laughs> within our family but that's the kind of thing you have to deal with you have to deal with not only you know if if you're not an only child you have to deal with other mitigating factors and sure. people deciding what you should do i recommend that every person on the face of this planet, get themselves some sort of will or health directive or, you know, who you want in charge of taking care of these things in order to avoid, you're still going to have arguments. Sure. But there's a legally binding factor to that when you're taking, you know, I'm in charge of taking care of her finances. My sister is in charge of taking care of her health her is is managing her health right. directive. Well, they, I mean, there's there's a lot of reasons yeah. why they everyone strongly recommends right. a health proxy, yeah, a, 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 and, a power of attorney, all those yeah. all those things to avoid exactly what you're you're suggesting. And even though we all decidedly agree that this would be the roles that we we chose, and we had you know when my mother was in more sound mind, right. she sat we signed you know with a lawyer within the last three years of me being the person and her being and my sister being the person and it, we've recently found that the last health directive that my mother filled out back in 2005 that was discovered through a, a lawyer's office she had a, a will written up and all that stuff that was 2005 it says the exact same thing that she says today like sure this is the person I want doing my health stuff and this is the person I want uh you know doing doing the the financial stuff sure it's, and it's me and my sister uh it really does set a clear role for those people and it really is going to save you a lot of headaches in the end because you know we had to sell our house i had to you know take care of all that but right. with those kind of legal aspect things it makes it a hell of a lot easier when you have the power of attorney to do things right. like that. But like you said, you know, even if you have all those things in mm-hmm. place, you know, there's no, you know, the problem is, you know, when it comes to people in the in a time of grief or, mm-hmm. you know, uh, anticipated grief, a lot of people don't necessarily think in a, in a rational way. Even if the documentation is all clear, everything is, is everything is very clearly designated, you know, people just have a hard time yeah. letting go of certain things and separating, you know, you know, the right choice from right. the emotions they're feeling at that moment. Right. And, uh, you know, it gets it gets pretty intense sometimes with some of the decisions that need to be made and some of the, you know, the care. But, you know, the health directive kind of backs up the fact that, listen, 
I know you feel a different way, but this is what she wanted, and this is exactly what we're doing mm-hmm. per her wishes. You know, so you, you really have to kind of step back and appreciate the fact that somebody said that. You know, I would be, I you know, not, well, if I was in that kind of state, I wouldn't know, but it, it would make me livid to think that somebody was going against my wishes, even right. though that I had, you know, set out to... to, to for them to do it the way I wanted them to do. But also talking about like having not only to take care of an elderly parent, but to watch the deterioration of somebody who has a degenerative brain disease. Sure. And it is, it's awful. It's one of the most awful things I've ever seen because you forget how to swallow. <laughs> Yeah. You know that's that that that's the devastating part of it, and and the idea that you can't do anything about it is probably even more, uh, you know, impacting on your on your on your feelings right. towards uh, you know death and things like that, and to watch somebody suffer like that really really sucks. You know, my grandfather had it, uh, you know, a pretty advanced stage of dementia you know and at first it's like uh, oh isn't that cute he can't find his cigarettes and then all of a sudden it's yeah. like all right uh now he can't remember anything and while madden as maddening as that yeah. becomes you then cross the next threshold when yeah. you know simple bodily functions become something he doesn't remember how to do right you know that's you know that's when it goes you know, i mean you a, a family goes through stages along with the patient you know there's there's a you know, there's kind of a disbelief that they're that they are there. Then there's this acceptance of what's happening. Then there's this anger and frustration. Well, mm-hmm. how can how come you can't remember me? And then you realize, oh my God, there's all these things that yeah. the brain is not allowing to have any recall of. And, right. and that's that's you know, unfortunately, those are the late stages of this. And, and, and you tend to do your grieving while this is going on, yeah, because. Honestly, my mother had a stroke at our at my house uh, uh, back three years ago, and she she was already starting to forget things. And I know we're running out of time here, but she was already starting to for, forget things, and it just kind of exacerbated that a little bit. Yeah. Uh, to 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 say, well, she it, she got she had gotten into a car accident. Uh, you know, prior to the stroke, she she did one of those gas versus the brake pedal things. And you can, and now, like you know, every time I read a story like that, I'm like, I get it. I understand why now. It's not because these people are stupid, because we tend to we tend to do that. Oh, would you forget the brake gas pedals on the brake pedal? No, your brain just goes. It That's starts it. going, and you don't even know that you're doing these. You don't. Things. You don't. You start to lose the control of your r- normal impulses. Yeah, and it's just. Uh, I. I really have a lot of sympathy for anybody who has to go through this and watch this, and uh, and God bless it because yeah. it's an awful thing to watch, and you get to the point where you're just like, I hope it goes quickly and painlessly because there's been so much suffering that yeah. this. Woman who used to be on her game, she was a she was a she was an RN for many years, math whiz. You know, she uh, she was kind of dumb. She didn't really understand what I like me sneaking out at night. She didn't really get that part. But she was really good at like math and and things like that. It's <laughs> yeah, right. just it's just it's sad to see somebody who is so on their game 
not being able to form a sentence. And it, and it sucks. And yeah. I really do have a lot of sympathy for anybody who's going through that. Yeah. So. Well, my sympathy to you and your family. That's Thank you. Not, uh, not easy stuff. It's uh, 725 with Bax and O'Brien and Steve Nagel on Rock 102. Green. You. It's 735 with Bax and O'Brien at Rock 102. It's time for news brought to you by Yankee Home Improvement. This month, Yankee Home is offering a free down payment coupon valued up to $1,400. Call today and mention Rock 102 for this special offer. Here's local radio icon Steve Nagel. Thanks, Bax. I can't believe this. What? This uh, I'm reading this article on Mass Live about the spacecraft IPA from Sam Adams. Yeah. I can't believe that people are buying into this this is the Crap. one where the hops have been sent into space and not, then returned. Not grown in space. Sent, just... sent and then come back. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, when Elon Musk's SpaceX company launched its Inspiration4 mission in September, it wasn't just carrying the first ever all-civilian crew into space. It also had a 66-pound cargo of hops, which, after entering orbit uh, with the space-breaking crew, landed in a new beer from Sam Adams. Spacecraft. You know, uh, there are other be- there are so many other beers out there made with uh, like unusual ingredients mm-hmm. that you say, "Wow, that's an that's unusual." But uh, hops, whether they're you know here in Massachusetts or in space, mm-hmm. come back tasting pretty much like regular hops. It tastes exactly the same as it would be if it was just traveled in space uh from uh the fridge to the uh, you know what i mean yeah, like, it, from I mean, the storeroom back into the into the vat exactly you know if it doesn't you know, substantially change yeah. the flavor of the ban- uh, of the beer then you know then what's the what's the point uh but after the spacex mission trip above the earth lasted uh, 2 days 23 hours and 3 minutes the beer is selling when it's in stock for a single one you ready for this $22.33 for a single beer, yeah, single bottle is twenty two dollars. No, no, thank you. I'm I'm not a I'm not at a uh, a Bon Jovi concert at the Meadows. <laughs> where you, 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 where you get eleven dollar plastic bottle beer. Shouldn't you be able to get like a case of beer for twenty bucks? Uh, yeah, I believe you can buy an entire case of Sam Adams for less than twenty dollars, depending on where you buy it from. Yeah, I but know. still. Uh, twenty-two dollars and thirty-three cents for one bottle of beer. You can kiss my ass. Better be, uh, better be some beer. The Citra and Mosaic hops that Inspiration Four brought to space carry a piney and resiny aroma into that beer. You know these people. I, I'm so sick of these people. These beer people. The beer snobs. The beer snob. You know you're no better than the wine snob. You don't even know what you're talking about. Nah, I know. I, you know, I mean, I, I don't mind trying, like, an unusual beer every now and then. Yeah. I mean, but I'm not, like, a, I'm like a, a snob about it. I mean, Listen, if if all you had were, like, Pabst Blue Ribbon, I'd find a way to get through it. I never was a fan of, uh, listen, uh, the alcohol consumption in my life was to get drunk. Sure. It was not about taste. And, frankly, all of those beers taste like Shiznit, if you know what I'm saying. See, I don't. Uh, I, I don't uh, agree with you. I actually, I actually do like it for the taste. No, but uh, you, you, you look like an idiot when you're like, yeah, this is a little hoppy. I like this. this is, oh, I can feel. I can taste the aroma of citrus. I told you uh, years ago. I went on a lunch uh, date with uh, two of our bosses here. Mm-hmm. Um, these bosses are no longer here, so I feel like I could comfortably 
had this conversation without any sort of. Uh, I, I was with you when this happened. It was it, we all the three of us went out for lunch with these two guys. Was that right? <laughs> yeah. It okay. Was. And, and the because uh, I re- what I recall were the two of them. So I don't remember you and uh, John being there, but I do remember the two of them, and maybe because they were the focus. Because uh, one of these guys was new, and then one of these guys had just hired this hired this guy, and they spent a good forty five minutes trying to decide what kind of and, wine they were going to get, and not, and not only, just kind of kind of wine, yeah. but like they were talking about uh, you know the the, the minutia of each vineyard and and the year and the three of and, and I'm just sitting there going. Listen, uh, it's approaching almost 1 o'clock in the afternoon. I haven't eaten since 3.15 this morning. Can we please step up the game and just grab anything that comes in a box? Yeah. Listen, uh, my late wife used to go bartend at this party for uh, the Yankee Candle guy years ago. Michael uh, Kittredge. Michael Kittredge, right? Okay. And uh, Michael Kittredge had a great sense of humor. Because Michael Kittredge wasn't one of these... Yes, he had a lot of money, but he wasn't one of these like snobby rich guys. Right. Like, he like he built himself up like it wasn't like he was born into the money. You know what I mean? He sure. he, he he worked hard for that self uh, himself and you know, and rightfully so. He was granted all these, you know, buildings in his name and things like that. Sure. Well, he would throw these big parties up there and you know, she would come home and she'd be like, eh, Kathy Lee and Frank Gifford were there." You know, this was going back years really? ago. Really? Oh yeah, it was it was uh, like the mucky mucks would go to this compound. I don't even know what town it was in. Your your wife was hanging out with Giff. She was that's hanging out awesome, with Giff, right? Wow. And uh, so you know, uh, there she would bartend for all these like rich snobby people that right. would show up to this party. And uh, Michael Kittredge would take this bottle of wine that was probably worth about three thousand dollars, right? <laughs> yes. And he'd put it. Uh, he'd let them put it up on the bar. And then he would have them fill wine carafes with like Rianiti or Franzia or something like that. And you would watch all these people yeah. in the room going, oh, this is this, you know, Bordeaux, France, whatever the hell kind of, you know, $3,000 bottle of wine and blah, blah, blah. And then he would reveal to them by the end of the night. Hey, by the way, you were drinking boxed Franzia, you bunch of jerks. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this, this guy, I wish I had known that guy. That, that sounds like a freaking uh, a riot. When I, went to, to my, <laughs> when I went to my college reunion a couple of years ago, there was a guy who, uh, you, we lived in the same dorm floor, and uh, there was this big cocktail party uh, on, the fir- on that first night. So like the Friday night, they had a big cocktail party. And uh, he, he's a very successful guy, uh, and he you know, has like this Silicon Valley type of job. Guy's done mm-hmm. very, very well for him, uh, for himself, and, and and God bless him. But he's but he's there, and he's you know he's simply sniffing the wines, and you know he's yeah. judging these things like you know like he's so sophisticated, like he's trying so hard to impress all of us, you know, who went to college with this guy, and he, and he's and he's becoming. You know, animated and theatrical about about the wine, and and I sat there and I said, "Do you remember when you and I uh, had to uh, go and scrape up change so we could buy a three ninety nine case of black label <laughs> right. returnables because it's the only thing we could afford, and we both wound up puking before finishing the case, 
and you want to tell me about the flavorful, fruity yeah. notes of what's in that glass right now? That's what I'm talking about. People don't know what they're talking about. I don't know what I'm talking about. I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't <laughs> pretend I'm knowing. <laughs> it's like, dude, I remember wiping the vomit from your nose. Yeah. I mean, that, and you're going to tell me about how... This, uh, what a sophisticated booze yeah. palette you have! This is, uh, 2009 Napa Valley, really? Uh, from your uh, from your puke coming out of your mouth, <laughs> dude was puking out of his ears like you're some sort of yeah. uh, you know lawn sprinkler. Yeah, you should uh, you should have taken the, uh, the the can the the pull tab from the can of Black Label and put it on his mouth to aerate him. <laughs> Uh, man. I, I'm, I just, I feel that people who pretend, like, people who know, like, oh, this is this good, they're full of crap. No, they don't know. They, they don't know. They and don't. you know what? And there you, are people who do know, and they're wine experts, and they go to school, and they, you know, they taste wines, and they don't drink them. They don't drink the wines. Right. They they swirl them around in their mouth, and then they spit it out into a cup. Yeah. It's like, what are you doing? Because they're trying to get, the, you know, the, that's how they do, pick the flavors and all that I, stuff. I got a friend who owns a, a winery and a brewery. He is not a snob about any of it. But then you see some of these guys, you just, you just yeah. they're comical. Now, and that's why I said early on when we started to have, like, a, you know, recreational marijuana in Massachusetts, you just watch that same kind of, you know, snob. Oh, it's already happening. Of course it is. Yeah. Of course it is. Listen, that, that now you got weed snobs. I either get high or I don't. That's, it's one of the two. You know, <laughs> it depends on how potent it is. There is There are different levels of potency. I sure. will give you that. But I, you know, I really can't tell the difference between the indicas, the sativas. Right. But and, you know that, that one of these uh, yeah. one of these dispensaries is going to put a bale of weed in Elon Musk's yeah. rocket, send it right back, and upcharge you as soon as it comes back to earth. And granted, uh, you know, I can tell the difference between like different kinds of bud, like like the smell. Like sure. one has a sweeter smell, and the other one has a more skunky smell. I get that part. But honestly, the difference between the two. I really I can't tell like what you're talking about. Well, for one, this. you don't care. No, because all you're looking to do is uh, go into outer space, man. That's it. That's all you want to do. And <laughs> I'm not gonna be a snob about it. Let's get a bowl and let's do this. That's thing. it. Officials say a Brightline uh, commuter train in Florida hit a car carrying a woman and her grandchild on the higher speed line's first day back in operation since the pandemic began. Whoops. <clears throat> the crash happened uh, Monday morning in Pompano Beach. Fire rescue officials told news outlets that the 71-year-old woman suffered some broken bones, but the child did not appear to be seriously injured. They were both taken to a hospital. The train was heading from West Palm Beach to Fort Lauderdale, where an event was scheduled to mark the train's return. The train travels at speeds of up to 70 mi 79 miles an hour through some of Florida's most densely populated cities. Yeah, they might want to delay that. Yeah, imagine that, because they show the front of the train, and you can see the dent on the front, like <laughs> that, that, that. obviously when it hit the car. Right. And it's like, um, <laughs> we're pulling into the station. Ta-da! <laughs> what happened? What happened? You were... <laughs> You had one job to do, to bring this train. Right. It's the first day back. We were going to have this whole thing in. Debbie brought cookies so, and a box of Joe from Duncan. So does it, do, do, do they, when they, uh, when they ring the horn, does it go choo-choo? Does it go wah-wah? Yeah, wah-wah. I told you, I had that, uh, that, uh, 
We we had a we had a stuffed animal that uh, moved and danced, and it would <laughs> sing. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. Right. And uh, we we called the lamb mint jelly, because that would be you know goes along with the with the lamb. Sure. But uh, one time, uh, my golden retriever got a hold of mint jelly, and did a number on mint jelly. Oh, I bet he can. So then mint jelly looked like it had a stroke. <laughs> So it would only move like one arm, and there was something wrong with the thing. It was like, if you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. I gotta find that. I know I have it online. I'll find right. it. I'm like, ah, ah. <laughs> this is my doll, Mint Jelly, the stroke victim. Uh, yeah, it's like stroke victims who can sing, but they can't talk anymore because only that side of the brain works. <laughs> Wow, we really get into some dark conversations Man, here on the show. Yeah, your uh, Pioneer Valley forecast, which is brought to you by Fogbuster Nitro Cold Brew Coffee. Uh, next time you're at the beverage cooler, look for the black and white can. It's Fogbuster Nitro Cold Brew. Gets me going every morning, and uh, it's velvety smooth and never bitter because Fogbuster is air-roasted. Going to be mostly sunny today with a high of 65. Tomorrow, mostly sunny. Mid-60s today. And now, Bax's View from the Couch. Brought to you by Rocky's Ace Hardware. Outdoor Power Headquarters. Steel, Ego, and Craftsman. Rocky's Outdoor Power Trifecta. Hey, good morning, sports fans. How the heck are you, folks? I don't mean to brag, but in the 35 years that I've been in this godforsaken business, I have never been saddled with a bona fide FCC violation. Oh, sure, there may have been occasional complaints, inquiries, tribunals, terse emails, notarized documentation, and legally ambiguous findings, but they've never slapped me with a fine. And while that's a pretty good record of responsible broadcasting, I realize that sort of thing can change very quickly, and that I could be collecting food out of a dumpster or a landfill by the end of the month. Former Giants quarterback Eli Manning, on the other hand, has been in the broadcast profession for less than a month, and he's already accumulated three FCC violations. According to reports, the FCC has received three official complaints about Eli Manning's on-air behavior during the September 27th Manning cast. During the broadcast, while in discussion about the miserable fan base of the Philadelphia Eagles, Eli discussed the story in which allegedly a nine-year-old Eagles fan gave Eli the finger. Not one finger, he gave him the double-barreled fingers, extending both middle fingers of each hand, giving Eli the offensive double bird. Now, had Eli stopped there in his explanation, this would not have risen to an FCC violation. But following the prompting by his older brother Peyton, Eli then extended both of his middle fingers to the camera saying, I'm sure we can blur this out, right? Well, guess what? When you're on live TV, no, ESPN cannot blur it out. Instead, it goes live. The incident has prompted three complaints, one claiming that his behavior was profane, despicable, and unacceptable. Now, the truth is, on radio, I can give you all kinds of offensive hand gestures. I can give you this one, or this one. I can even give you this one as well. But I cannot do it on a live camera in prime time. Any good broadcaster should know that. In fact, I believe it's the first thing they tell you at the Connecticut School of Broadcasting. Don't use your middle fingers for anything, and don't ever say anything that makes you look like a creepy racist pervert. So, in fact... Eli Manning has failed half of those things already, and depending on what the FCC rules, Eli could be facing the consequences of his actions. And that would be the point where you'd want to use your middle fingers, and even then, I wouldn't do it in front of a camera. But hey, and if I'm my yapping sports brought to you by Rocky's Ace Hardware. Rocky's Ace Hardware is your power tool headquarters. I'm counting like 17 different power tool deals. 
In the Rockies' November sales flyer, Craftsman Wet Drive Acker, DeWalt, Cordless Drill and Driver, and 15 more. Craftsman, DeWalt, Milwaukee, Black & Decker for power tools. You need to go to your neighborhood Rockies Ace Hardware. I'm back. That's my view from the couch. It's sunny, uh, in a high of 65 today. Sunny and a high of 60 tomorrow. It's 38 right now in downtown Springfield. Uh, you know, I when the pandemic started to, when it hit and everybody was locked inside, did you feel like buying stuff? Oh, I bought a lot of stuff. Because, like, you know, you just wanted to kind of kill your boredom a little bit because you couldn't go anywhere. Right, like, I mean, anywhere. I mean, to think about it, all the money we were saving by, uh, you know, not going out and doing stuff and having right. fun like we would normally do, all of a sudden, uh, you know, maybe you got a few bucks to burn, and what better way is there than to buy something you really didn't need? Uh, in the style of Dave Coombs, I'll give you a poll. <laughs> okay, here's a go. Uh, in a recent poll, one in ten people say they regret purchases they made during the pandemic. The number one thing they regret buying is gaming equipment, which isn't surprising consider people had a lot of time in quarantine and were, you know, getting yeah. on the whole thing. I never got into that. Nah, either. me either. Uh, but here's the top thing. Uh, top things we regret buying. You ready? Yes. Gaming equipment is number one. Number two, tools or carpentry equipment. I didn't buy um, much in the way of tools. Because I, you know, I, I I know myself. If I, if I say I'm going to get involved in a project... It's yeah. very likely I'm never ever going to finish it, and I will have to you know call either my brother-in-law or a man with better skills and knowledge than me. I uh, I discovered a tool uh, during the the quarantine because I had more time to like pay attention to what's going on in my house. Yeah, you know you, like, you know you know you go to your house every day. You don't really pay attention to everything that's going on around the house. Sure, but I uh, I found. Uh, some sort of tool on my roof. A roof tool? I didn't know what it was. I could just see the top handle of it. Now, the roof is pretty damn high. Sure. It's two stories, so it's in a plus on top of the roof. It's even higher than that, obviously. Uh, so I see this tool, and I, I tried to get it myself. But I'm not really a ladder guy. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I get you. And I, uh, I have this... Uh, I know that when I die, I'm going to die some messed up way in a spectacular in fashion. a very spectacular fashion sure. that uh, could only be a very darwin darwinism like sure uh, kind of death yeah you, you, hanging out on a ladder probably wouldn't work for you if that's yeah. if that's what you're anticipating yeah it's it's gonna be stupid it's not gonna be like oh my god you had a heart attack oh my god you, you had cancer no 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 it's gonna be uh you know he fell off a he fell off a roller coaster at an amusement park. You know, so that this, kind of thing. So this tool we're talking about, yeah. is it like a power tool? Or is I, it like I, a or I, like a like a regular hand tool? I didn't know what it was. And uh, you know, I I got my buddy who uh who's got to, he's got like every tool that you could possibly imagine. Right. And he comes over with this pole, this like extendable like forty foot pole thing. Sure. And uh, and grabs the thing. It turns out it's a leaf blower. What the hell's a leaf blower doing on top of the house? Well, because two months prior, I had uh, these guys over at the house, uh, you know, from extending from the purchase of the home that these skylights needed to be replaced in my house. That right. was part of the deal of of uh, the transfer of ownership uh, of the home to me, uh, that these skylights were replaced. So these guys went up and they put these skylights in, the wrong ones, but uh, they put them in and... Um, and then uh, they must have left a leaf blower up there. 
Don't these, you, don't these guys know how to pick up after themselves? Well, you, you got to blow all the debris off the roof. I believe it's know. pronounced debris. Okay, whatever. You and your French don't uh, be minding my business. It's debris, and uh, you got to blow that off the roof. So uh, this guy left the the thing up there, and then I <laughs> I alerted the 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 boss. Yeah, and I said, hey, somebody left a leaf blower here, and then I put it on my porch, and then uh, the guy comes back to get it like a couple of days. I thought he'd already picked it up. It was gone. No kidding. Yeah. I think I'll somebody took damned. it. You know, I've had leaf blowers. I've never even thought about uh, throwing it up on the roof when I was done. What? He was on the roof with it. I don't care where you're at. And it, left it there. It's a, If it's a good leaf blower, I'm going to put it back where it belongs. It really wasn't. It was one of them, like, uh, you know, uh, one of them depot specials. One of them with plug-in the, jobs? I don't know if it, I don't even... I think it was a gas-powered one, but it was mm. like one of those ones you can get for under seventy bucks. Right? You know, it's not uh, you know the high-powered uh, wind tunnel you know that uh, people hope for. Yeah. And uh, I just was like, how could somebody leave their tools behind? I would have probably just kept it because it's yeah. like the what do, they, what do they call that the uh, the finders keepers losers weepers rule? Yeah, but I didn't. Uh, I can't do that. I cannot do that. I'm not the kind of per. I have these like. I have this thing, uh, like something bad's going to happen to me if I do something that's shady. Steve, something bad would have happened if you tried retrieving that off the roof yourself and it would have landed yeah, on your true, damn head. True, but uh, I also uh, feel that, uh, you know, I I can't, I have a very, uh, I have a high uh, moral compass. My moral compass always points north. That's what I told the guy in the airport that really? day when he wanted to cut in line. Yeah. You know, um, um, if uh, if this guy who left the leaf blower yeah. up on your roof didn't care enough to take it with him, then why should you be so mindful and considerate to allow him to bring it back? He didn't care enough about it. And how many months was it between them? Two. Two months? Well, mm-hmm. it's not like he was knocking on your door and say, hey, did I leave a leaf blower around here somewhere? No, but I would be like, damn, where did I leave that leaf blower? Where the hell did my leaf blower All go? Right. I'd be uh, wondering where that was. Let's say he left a tool that you absolutely wanted. Mm-hmm. Let's say a snowblower. He left a snowblower yeah. on your roof. Okay. Now, why he would be up there with a snowblower, I, I don't know. I don't ask questions, but it, let's say it's a snowblower. It's a very expensive piece of outdoor yeah. power equipment. Yes. In a case like that, would uh, you put your moral compass where it belongs and take that snowblower down off the roof and use it yourself? No, I wouldn't use it. I would uh, I would alert the person saying, hey, uh, come get this uh, this uh, very expensive snowblower off my roof. All right, what about a whole house generator? Someone say you put a whole house generator up on your roof. What it's doing there, I can't tell uh, you. I don't ask questions. But if it meant a whole house generator, which is very expensive, by the way, would you have kept it and uh, completely generated your own home's power by using it yourself. Again, Bax, I can't do it. I wouldn't feel comfortable using something that I know that uh, wasn't uh, acquired properly. Finders keepers. Eh, the finders keepers thing. I still feel weepers. bad for the person that, uh, that that lost it. I like how this conversation has turned into something completely different than what we originally started out with. You know, I was once at the beach and uh, in the water, about waist deep yeah. in water. Floating around on the top of the ocean mm-hmm. was forty dollars, two um, crisp, albeit wet, twenty dollar bills. Yeah. Now, of course, uh, being the industrious young chap I was, I grabbed the two twenty dollar bills. Mm-hmm. Did I stand there in the middle of the ocean and yell, "Hey, 
Did anybody lose forty dollars in the Atlantic Ocean? I under- I did not do that. <sighs> I put it into my little pocket of uh-huh. my uh, of my swim trunks uh-huh. and kept the forty dollars for myself. And what did you do with the forty dollars? Did you buy something for yourself? Oh, I made great investments with it. Yeah. See, I'm the kind of person that would take the forty dollars and then either donate it to somebody else. Oh my god. Please, Steve, you would really you donate it? Uh, you'd give it to a guy holding up one of those signs that said he's homeless and hungry, and what? you know he's going to buy booze with it, because that's exactly what I would do if I had that kind of money and was in that situation. I would go buy uh, booze to drink myself. You know, with the uh, with the earth covered in 75% water and uh, you know surrounding the entire planet, I happen to be walking on the one spot of the entire Atlantic Ocean in which $40 is floating away. To me, that isn't about, you know, should I donate to somebody in need? To me, that is a once-in-a-life opportunity, as if God himself, as if the universe is saying, here's a little something-something for all your effort. Now, I'm going to take that money, and I'm going to... uh, I'm going to contribute to the local economy. Uh, all right. Uh, last month, when the Big E was going on. Yes. Or a month and a half ago, whatever. Uh, when that was going on, there uh, Turtle Boy Sports had this story about a woman who, on social media, uh, admitted that she found a wallet loaded with cash. Sure. $500 in cash. Yeah. Had uh, credit cards and license and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So she, uh, you know in a smart move, goes on social media to tell everybody, hey, 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 look at this, I, I took $500, I bought my kids a bunch of clothes, and uh, I returned the wallet to the lost and found. At least you got your cards back. See, that's different. Why I see is that, that in, different? I see that different. First of all, it's, it, it's the wallet, okay? It's the whole kit and various caboodle right there. All right. Let's okay? just say you didn't. Let's just say you just found a wallet with five hundred dollars in it with no identifying marks in it. Would you take the five hundred bucks? What do you think I am, a bastard? No, I I I would uh, bring that back to Lost and Found and try to find its rightful owner. Well, why wouldn't you do that with the forty bucks you found on the beach? You can't trust anybody on the beach. What about the lifeguard? Especially the lifeguard. You have any idea what they get paid? Ain't gonna get forty bucks on that day. Yeah, but the burden is now off of you. That's See, what I'm but, trying but to get. But $220 bills floating in the oceans, you know, I mean they're unidentifiable. I mean, unless okay. someone's tracking the uh, you know the serial numbers on these 220s, then you know it's it's up for grabs. You you see a wallet floating around the uh, in the ocean. It's got everything. It got a driver's license, a uh, a, a big Y courtesy card, uh, you know, maybe a credit card, uh, you know, you know, one free uh-huh. guitar lesson. You know, it could have any of those Floss. things. Right. A condom. It could have any of those things. I want to return that to its rightful owner because, to me, the association with other forms of identification clearly state that this belongs to somebody else. Mm -hmm. Those two floating $20 bills, on the other hand, for all I know, that could have just been a charitable donation to the ocean. Okay. So you find the $500 in the wallet. You bring the entire wallet back to the lost and found with the five hundred dollars. Yes, I you would do take that. Any of the money? I would not. You wouldn't even take a finder's fee. Of I would 20, not. Uh, going, hey, you know what? Uh, this was worth my time. I'm taking twenty bucks. Here, you can have the wallet back. That's now, not four hundred eighty dollars. If the rightful owner of the wallet wants to donate, uh, say, uh, you know, give me a few bucks for uh, you know, my time. 
I might accept, I might decline. But, you know, that's, that's really up to the person who owns the wallet. I would like to see some form of identification from the person who owns the wallet. Of course, all the identification is in the, in the wallet, but like a, a photo ID would be very helpful. Yes. But there's no photo ID on loose dollar bills. Uh, I, 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 I don't understand your uh, imbalance of moral aptitude. Steve, I think the longer you work with me, I think the more clear that imbalance is going to pop right up. You know, I would, uh, I would have given all of it back. You say you would give it all back, but yet if you find $40 on the side of the street, you ain't going to give it back. Because there's nobody to give it back to. At least with the wallet, but you, I know who the wallet but belongs you, to. See, I'm, a, I'm like the pay-it-forward guy. I'm like, you know what? I never had this money. I don't need this money. I'm going to, uh, and I obviously can't find who I can give it to, so I'm going to give it to somebody else who yeah. could use it. See, when I see $40 floating in an ocean, I think jackpot. Oh, is that so? <laughs> Well, it's forty Jackpot. bucks. It's forty bucks. I didn't have walking around the ocean before then. What kind of what kind of beach are you walking around with? this money floating in the water. Money beach. Money beach. That's what I call it. Yeah. I now call it money beach. Oh, it's the Benjamin's beach. That's it. Yeah. That, that that money's like a like a one arm bandit right Andrew there. Andrew Jackson Beach. That's it. And yeah. I just broke the bank. Giddy up. It's eight twenty four on Rock one hundred two. Thinking about tinting your car? Don't be fooled. Eight thirty one with Max and O'Brien to Rock one hundred two. It's time for news. Brought to you by the North Atlantic States Carpenters Union. It's time to build. Learn more at nasrcc.org. Here's local radio icon Steve Nagel. Thanks, Max. A tractor trailer crashed through a Lynn neighborhood Tuesday morning, delivering extensive damage to several cars and a home. Delivering. Get it? Because it's a truck. Yeah, right. The crash uh, occurring just before 5 a.m. began when the driver swerved to avoid hitting a raccoon. Despite the damage uh, dealt to the cars, home, and utility poles on the street, no one was injured in the crash. Uh, But can you imagine that? A raccoon causing all that kind of mayhem. Hmm. You know, they are are very smart animals. They are. uh, Very, very smart. Are they, though? Pretty we talk, smart. We talked about the the intelligence of squirrels about a month ago. Uh, you know, like why they do what they do. Yeah, they run out of the road and then they look like, oh my god, what do I do? Yeah, I'm not saying they're smart all the time, but like a raccoon is very, uh, you know, very industrious. You know, it's got hands kind of like humans. You know, a lot of you know, very, uh, you know, very, very uh, uh, handsy. Yeah, they're uh, they have opposable thumbs. That's what I'm thinking. That's, That's thank you is. very much. That's what it look at. Uh, but due to the damage of the home, uh, Boston 25 reported it is now uninhabitable. Fire officials told mm. the network that the building's seven occupants will need to vacate it. The street was closed off while the vehicles uh, hit by the tractor trailer were removed. Uh, that is, was according to the Lynn Fire Department. Uh, but, man, nasty little nasty scene. Yeah, no kidding. Hey, uh, you probably won't get to this in uh, Hollywood trash. I don't know if you've seen this. Uh Actor Dean Stockwell has died at the age Shut of 85. The front door. The Remember guy from uh, Quantum Leap. Quantum Leap. I love yeah. Quantum Leap. I, you know, I started watching that uh, last year during the pandemic. It's a good uh, show. Yeah, because it was on one of them. It was on Netflix or it was on Hulu or one of them. And uh, I was I was really getting into it because I, I had only seen maybe a season or two of that show. Right. But I really didn't uh, see uh, some. There were some really great episodes. Well, you were probably kind of young at the time that it came out, right? I was probably 12 or 13. Yeah. And I see, really didn't get into it that right. much. And now I'm, now I'm, I, I was, well, I wasn't getting into it. And then I stopped watching it. 
But now, you're, now I, you got to go back, get back into it. I think I have some sort of like, you know, uh, like attention deficit thing. I'm sorry. Were you talking to me? What? What were we talking about? <laughs> Dean I'm Stockwell. So, yeah, I like I can I can't get into something full throttle. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I can get into it a little bit, and, like, and then I get bored with it, and I just want to do something else. I can I can easily lose interest in something within five minutes. Uh-huh. Maybe even less, depending on on the show. You either got me, or you ain't got me. Yeah, I got. I really last year I got really got into that. Uh, <laughs> the other thing is, I'm always late to the game on stuff. Like I don't watch things when they first come out. Like right. The the, uh, the Squid Game thing was the one I was watching. You know, in the beginning. Sure. But like there was a there was a James Franco was in this. Uh, Stephen King uh, thing called eleven twenty two sixty three, and James Franco pulled you away from Squid Games. Uh, J- well, James Franco uh, touched me inappropriately in an acting class that I was uh, taking with him. Uh, unfortunately, he's prone and, to do uh, that kind of thing. Uh, but uh, no, I re- actually like James Franco's acting. You know, he's, yeah, his personal uh, his personal, personal life, life not I, as much. You got to separate the art from the artist, if you know what I'm saying. Uh, but he he was in this this Stephen King thing. I it was a it was a mini series. It was eight episodes long. Right. It was fantastic. Really. I because I'm like I like time travel stuff, and this was about time traveling and him going back trying to stop the assassination of JFK. See, to me, like yeah. uh, like like uh, time travel yeah. uh, movies sometimes ruin it for me. Like that to me, that's the whole thing that ruined uh, Back to the Future. The whole movie was about time traveling. See, that's my point. I mean, had they just, you know, picked a time and stuck with it, it might have been an interesting film. It was an interesting film. It was a very popular film. Matter of fact, all three of them, well, number three sucked, but one and two were very good. Yeah, I know. But still, I mean, there's a lot of back and forth with the time travel. It was about time machines. Are you sure about that? Yes, I'm very sure. Matter of fact, on the cover, on the poster, they're standing outside of a time machine hmm. made out of a DeLorean. It's like I always thought like uh, like all that space stuff was a thing that kind of took away from the whole Star Trek, uh, you know, uh, franchise. It really got in the way. It really it, to, to me, it's like the, the most the whole show. Right? right. It was like the most, you know, unrealistic part of the entire show. <sighs> Classes for some students. Who's going into space on a five-year mission that lasts 35 years? Uh, people who are making money off of that. See what I mean? Yeah. Can't believe any of it. Classes for some students resume Monday morning at the William W. Henderson Inclusion School in Boston. Classes have been canceled for two days after the reported beating of the school's principal by a 16-year-old student. On Wednesday, November 3rd, police responded to a violent attack happening adjacent to the Dorchester School as classes concluded for the day. Officers said they found an older woman knocked unconscious on the ground being tended to by staff. The woman, report said, was uh, the school's 61-year-old principal, Patricia Lamprin. She was brought to a hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. Another staff member was also injured in the incident. Police said the attacker was a 16-year-old female student who was arrested Wednesday and appeared Thursday in Dorchester Juvenile Court on a range of assault and battery charges. During the incident, authorities said the student repeatedly struck Lamprin in the face and head with a closed fist while grabbing her hair. Wow. Jesus. Jesus. The student admitted hitting Lamprin and said she was mad that the principal had not stopped following her and had asked her to leave the area of the school, a police report obtained by NBC Boston. 
Lampern was uh, completely knocked out for four minutes and cried uncontrollably when she came to. Yeah, this, this shouldn't be the kind of thing that you need to deal no, with. No, you shouldn't. First of all, as an administrator of a school, the last thing you want is to get hit in the face. And Man. then secondly, because, you know, at that point, you know, that's a long suspension or even a detention. I mean, I know a few principals that need to get their ass kicked, but uh, this is not the way to well, do it. I'm not, you know, I would never But that's make only that on, statement. Their, on their own personal, of course. <laughs> yeah, it has nothing to do it's outside with their of, professional life. No, no, they're, they're great in the school. It's the outside behavior yeah, that uh, right, requires right. them. Uh, after canceling classes Thursday in the wake of the incident, administrators again shuttered the school on Friday. Our top priority now is the health and safety of our students and making sure our faculty is prepared to return. You know, you you got to think of the domino effect that this has. It's not just, yes, that poor woman who got beaten up, but all the people that witnessed that. Like, those are things you will never forget in no. your life. You no. will never forget watching somebody being brutally beaten in front of a, a crowd of people. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's, ugh. Well, I know. God, I can't even... I can't even imagine that. I mean, I never liked any of my principals, but I never thought of, like, uh, you know, balling up a fist and swinging away. Yeah, I never, uh, I had a, I, my, my high school principal in upstate New York looked like uh, Poncharello. Oh, really? And he had this, uh, he had this uh, Italian accent. Yeah. Yeah, right, yeah. Yeah. Uh, what did you think was going to happen to you when you decided to, uh, to prank call the phone teacher, huh? What did you think was going to happen? You know, he would yeah, no, right. Ricardo Montalban style voice. Too. Mm -hmm. Very, very romantic man. <laughs> Tattoo. Help uh, these people with their bags while I grant their fantasy. And I didn't even, I don't even remember. I was only here for a year at Minichok. Right. I don't remember who the principal was or I don't even remember. I don't remember. It's just one of those things you just don't remember because I never had to see them. When I was in uh, fourth grade. <clears throat> I was uh, at this uh, this one elementary school because uh, I went from like a like a four room schoolhouse to this uh, full on elementary school on the other side of town. Mm -hmm. So just fourth grade, right? the uh, The principal of this school happened to be one of my father's best friends. Okay, so I couldn't get away with Jack Squat yeah. at this school, you know, and I and I had a lot of. I had a lot of compulsion to uh, not to act out, but you know to certainly, you know maybe interrupt the flow of education with my uh, with my uh, smart mouth and uh, rapier wit, but uh, that didn't fly when uh, when uh, my yeah. dad's friend was the principal, because guess what would happen? I'd get a you know I'll I know where your father I I'll talk to your father yeah. and I'm like oh for crying out like, loud it's like a little hen house like yeah he's going yeah I guess you did today yeah and then well, yeah there, there were a couple of times when yeah. I think my dad said to me you know I talked to Mr Saint John today and he said that uh, you may have been talking too much in class I'm like oh man I'm busted it's like they got a whole network of uh, of of me, you know, trying to watch my every move. I couldn't do anything. I felt like I was a hamstrung for an entire year in fourth grade. I went to this Catholic school in New Jersey when I was a kid for a couple of years. Yeah, and uh, my mom was the school nurse. Oh, that's the worst. I know it's like that's I, the worst. You gotta, you gotta, 
you're trying to get away from your parents being at school. Yeah. You know, so you can like you know do all kinds of hood rat stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? But uh, you, you can't, can't even you can't even fake an illness like you like you would normally do. No. And here's the thing: my mother went to a Catholic school when she was a kid, yeah. and that's when they that was the days of the uh, the corporal punishment. You know, those are the days... Uh, Kid walk into the nurse's office uh, like with a whole bunch of broken knuckles. I remember my mother telling me the story. Like She was she was a teenager in high school, and she was daydreaming out the window. And all of a sudden, uh, she was uh, smacked on the back of the neck with a ruler. Right, can't get like, away with that. Snap piece, at it. You know, you can't get away with that. No. And then I said, well, wait a minute. What did your dad say when you got home? And she's like, he said, well, what did you do? <laughs> I was like... <laughs> This is the way things used to go, and I remember uh, the, the the corporal punishment thing was gone. Right. But I did something uh, that required me to stand near the principal's office, who was a nun, uh, and hold these books in my arms. As a punishment? It was how, like, big, how big was the stack of books? Like they, it wasn't a stack of books. It was like a... I, I wouldn't. It wasn't a Bible, but it was a very thick book. They were very thick books, right? Uh, almost like encyclopedia type things. Oh and I had to God. stand there, and I think it was only like maybe twenty minutes, but it but felt like three hours trying to hold these books up, and uh, you had to be uh, disciplined to, to do this. My mother allowed this to happen. You know, today's kids, uh, you know, complain if their teachers hurt their feelings. Yeah. You know, they, these kids don't today don't know. They don't know what it was like. I remember, though, uh, once I left fourth grade and uh, went to the middle school, so like yeah. fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade, uh, the only family I had working in the building was my Aunt Dot, who was one of the lunch ladies. Ah, Aunt Dot didn't care whether I was going to act up or not. Nah. Aunt Dot was totally, totally chill. She, she was happy to see you when you came through the lunch line. Oh, totally happy. Aunt Dot was a gem. And the thing about Aunt Dot was there were occasions where I did not have the 35 cents for my hot lunch. And she says, I got this one. You just go. Oh, oh man. Fantastic. So those, those, nice. those are the kinds of family memories you never want to let go. Hey, can I charge this to my account? You can do whatever the hell you like, little Baxi. There you go. You're, no, you, you, you're my favorite no, nephew. No, you go in there and you have a good time throwing food all over the place. Yeah, and you you go start food fights with your friends. Yeah, because she was never up on. She was never assigned to clean up duty in the cafeteria. She was just the lady behind the register. Yeah, that was her job. Didn't have to wear a hairnet. Didn't have to. You know, scoop out potato salad, didn't have to do any of that. Never handed a kid a pizza burger in a life. You know, I got to say, in my middle school, we had some very attractive lunch ladies. I we, had, we had one in high school. Yeah. One that was passable. No, this was like uh, this was like the Charlie's Angels of lunch ladies really? we had. Uh, and, and you know what? They were, you, you know, I think when you grow up, you realize, oh, those were the other kids' moms, you know? But they were they were young yeah. and they were good looking. We you know? we had we had probably only, uh, in you know mid twenties to early thirties. We only no. had one acceptable uh, hot woman working in the in the lunchroom in high school. I mean, she would rock that hairnet like you wouldn't believe. That's what I'm but saying. Like, the rest it, of them, you know, I mean, the 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 rest of them is you know, I I, I believed being hideous was like part of. The requirement of the job. You have to kind of adjust your hotness level to the environment that you're in. She was lunch lady hot. Lunch lady hot, right? <laughs> Ooh, I see. I see you're wearing fake earrings today. I like it. I was just on.
This is absolutely true. I was just on a uh, Rehoboth forum on Facebook, and uh, there's a woman who was uh, the lunch lady in that four-room schoolhouse. Right. I was, and she's still alive at like 99 years old. Wonderful, sweet old lady still kicking. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, Gert Messier is still alive, and she's... Uh, they're showing all these video of her, you know, you know, winning all these awards. Like, you go, yeah. Gert, you're the nicest lady ever. And she really was the nicest lady ever. But, you know, that's she was the that was back when she made lunch for all those kids. They were making lunch. And she yeah. would do that. You know, today it's all, you know, you 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 open up the blister packs of hot lunch and there you go. Well, I think there's a little bit more to it than that. But uh yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. But hey, see, Unbelievable. see, all these things become relevant again. Unbelievable! Yeah, I don't know why you even I even thought about Gert Messier, but oh my God, fantastic! Uh, a new poll found that only a third of us plan to put up our Christmas decorations by Thanksgiving. We will, we will absolutely, we will probably do it this weekend. It's a little early. I would say Thanksgiving weekend would be the the weekend. I I agree. I agree, but we are both in agree. But but Jenny and I are both in agreement that the uh, the place could use a little joy. Why? Because uh, why not? A, a gimp walking around the house with a crutch all That's, day long when, and uh, her doing all the work for you. Because right now I'm this leg of mine is sucking all the joy out of the house. I believe you suck the joy out of many things in your life. Well, if the leg is attached to me. If so, fat so, then it's all connected. Uh, almost half of Americans want their neighbors to put up Christmas decorations by Thanksgiving. 49% said yes. Yeah, why not? Listen, you know, haven't we haven't we all endured enough little peace on earth, goodwill towards men a week or two early? I Who, I that's fine. I finally did it last year because there was this community thing going on right. where, uh, you know, they want— because obviously you couldn't go anywhere, you couldn't do anything. They didn't have like the meetings with Santa and all this other stuff that they normally would do. So they had like, oh, why don't you? We'll give you a bunch of addresses on a list, and you can go by and see all the people who participated in this Christmas display thing. Sure, I didn't think it was very good what I did. I just put lights up, but it was the first time that I've actually done something like oh, that yeah, on yeah. the outside of the house. Well, well I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna do anything on the outside of the house. You're not? No, it'll all be inside. Well, what the hell? What's the point of that? Well, I've never done anything on the outside of the house. Oh, so you're only decorating on the inside? Yes. You're not going to put up lights or anything outside? No. Why not? Because someone's... Because... One, you I, made it sound like you were just going to do that. You didn't. Uh, you didn't specify. No, when I say decorating. I'm talking about decorating the inside of the house because it's for us. Oh well, it's I do us. that. I've been doing that. For yeah, years. I'm not. I'm not doing the outside for everybody else. Yeah, no, that's their own. Listen, people can do whatever they, whatever they want to do. I uh, decorating the outside of the house has never been my bag, man. I I, uh, I have to pick a new angel for the top of the tree. Because I started this tradition a few years ago about putting different pictures of people up on top of the tree would be the angel. Do you want me to send you a picture of myself? No, 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 no. I, uh, you know, uh, originally I started out for the kids. I put a picture of, you know, our, my late wife and right. our family up on top of the tree. But then I'm like, you know what? This uh, we can't be doing this sad, grieving crap all the time. No, like, we need to make this interesting. So make the, it fun. Yeah. So I put a picture of a uh, Juice Newton up there. Juice Newton's a perfectly uh, you know, likable woman. Angel of the morning. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, last year was uh, Jeff Healy. 
from the Jeff Healy band, or the Angel Eyes. Yeah. And then uh, now i got to pick a different one this year. you got to pick a good one. I'll be happy to send you a picture of myself. Yeah, I've known your kids since they were born. No, you're not an angel. What are you all. talking about? No, no, no. Come I'm on. I'm talking I br- about like an actual uh, Steve, somebody I bring, related I, to an angel. I bring merriment and joy no matter where I go. Who it, is that song, How Do You Talk to an Angel? Who is that? How do, do you, you talk, talk to, to an angel? angel? Who is it? Who is it? Uh, that would be, and I quote uh, off the top of my head, The Heights. The Heights. The Heights. All right. We'll get a picture of The Heights up on top of the tree this year. I'm more than happy to send you a picture of myself. No, I don't need a picture of you. Uh, I need a like picture a, of The Heights. I got a, I got a great picture of me in a Christmas sweater. Ill-fitting. And, and No. You it's, sure? It's not going to be you. Jamie Walters in The Heights. All right, we're going with that this year. All right, your uh, Pioneer Valley forecast this year or this year, this uh, today, <laughs> t- today. You're right. It's going to be mostly sunny with a high of 66. Uh, tomorrow, uh, going to be sunny with a high of 60. It is 40 right now in downtown Springfield. I'm Steve Nagel, and that's the news on Rock 102. Ah, oh, yeah. Give yourself the gift of a new car. We've transformed our. Rock 102 Springfield's Classic Rock. It's 858 and ACDC on Rock 102. Going to be uh, sunny today with a high of 65. Tomorrow, sunny with a high of 60. It's 40 right now in downtown Springfield. I I have to uh, give kudos to uh, Kevin, a listener, who sent in uh, a list. Remember those uh, weird names we were reading yesterday? Yeah. Uh, This is a list of about a thousand of them. (laughs) Oh, good. (laughs) I like Wilma Fingerdew. That's a good one. (laughs) Uh, uh, Leila Consuelo. <laughs> uh, some of them I can't even read right. because yeah. they're just too, they're disgusting. They're too gross. Uh, I so I can't read that one either. <laughs> oh, Howie Felter Snatch. That was a good one. That was he? Hilda Kakinmahan. Okay, yeah. you see. Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's a and, uh, and there are ones you can't read. Well, there's yeah, there's ones I can't read. Uh, <laughs> Dixon B Tweenerleg. <laughs> we better get out of this yeah, break before we get into some trouble. No yeah. <laughs> it's just about nine o'clock on Rock One Hundred Two. Bax and O'Brien's annual.